0: Please take out your sermon notes, and let's turn into our Bibles to the book of John chapter 19. We're going through a series of the sayings from the cross, last words of Jesus, and we're at the third saying. We notice that the sayings of the seven sayings, and there are seven of them, are found in different parts of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we're in John chapter 19 this morning for the third saying. We find this in John chapter 19. As we approach this uh, saying from John 19, we ask ourselves: When we go through life, do we have struggles about life, about whether God can take care of our needs? Do do we, uh, when we face uh, issues? whether it's like the government and who's going to be the president and who's going to, going to rule over us? Are we anxious about that? Or the fears that may come with different sicknesses that come into our life, are we paralyzed with fear? I know that many times in my life that I come to question God, God, are you really going to take care of me? Are you going to really provide for this need in my life? God, uh, I want you to understand, and and so then I'll spell it out, and I'll describe it very clearly, in case he doesn't know which he knows. And I share that with the Lord, and my heart is, you know, troubled by that. Well, today's statement is from Jesus while he's on the cross, and he gives us great confidence that we can lean into God to supply our needs. Truly, that we can trust God to take care of us. So this is the third saying from the cross, and it's one of the prime moments as we look at the scripture that we can become convinced and relax in the truth of God's salvation that he is watching over us and he will take care of us. Paul said it very clear in the scriptures when he was writing to the church at Philippi. He said, in chapter 14 and verse 19, but my God shall supply all your needs. Wrapped in that, it's saying that he is going to be the good shepherd and take care of us. He's going to provide for us with what we need. We need to trust that. And so Jesus speaks from the cross and he gives us great. So let's read verse 25 of John chapter 19. And I'm going to start reading in verse 25. John 19, 25. And now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing by, said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciples, Behold, to the, to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. It's interesting you note, as he said, they took us to his own home. John is the one. Now, John is uh, not uh, the brother of Jesus. There were brothers of disciples, but not at this time. And John at that moment was uh, there. He was close to Jesus. He was there at the cross. He was next to Mary and the other Marys. And John, who is the nephew of one of the Marys, and so he's uh, a son of one of the Marys and happens to be what Alfred Andersham said, the uh, nephew of Jesus. And so this was a close relationship, not only physically, but in spirit as well. And so he said, take care of us. And then the other two times in the Gospels, it talks about the other women, and it mentions four women in the other scriptures. And it is believed that, that the reason that they are, uh, and with the absence of Mary, and that, that Jesus, when he said this to John, that John immediately took Mary to his home, and that she is absent from the other times it mentions these ladies. And so John takes this responsibility very, very seriously. Let's go back to verse 25 again. And as we read verse 25, now there stood by the cross of his mother, Jesus, uh, cross of Jesus, his mother, which was Mary, and his mother's sister, Mary, and the wife, Copus, and Mary Magdalene. So God wants us to know, there at the cross, who's standing there. He also wants to know, as we just sang that last song, who is near the cross. And Mary and John and these two other ladies are there standing. And Mary, you know, they're all three names of Mary, but Mary was a very common name during that time. Many believe that it was out of respect for Moses' wife, that great prophet, Miriam, that's named after her. And and that so Mary was very common during that time, the the name Mary. So Jesus calls Mary, his mother, woman. Now, this wasn't being disrespectful. We have to understand this. He was making it very clear, Mary's position. In fact, when you look at the scripture, Jesus never calls Mary mother in the Bible. Uh, When Jesus was. uh, turning uh, the water into wine, the first miracle, the kind of the beginning of his public ministry for that three years. He calls Mary, so said, woman, said, it was before my time. And, and, and so uh, he called his mother um, a woman at that time. And then at the very end from the cross, he calls Mary woman as well. And I say this, that if we're going to follow the steps of Jesus, we should... We should never call Mary mother as well. It's not our mother and it's not, you know, Jesus was very very distinct that, that Mary was just a vessel. We're not to exalt her love, her above Jesus or think that she has some inside track to God. Mary was just a woman like any other woman. In fact, when you look at Mary and some of the words that he said, she says at the beginning, when she realized who Jesus was and she realized that she was going to be the one who brings uh, Jesus into the world, she called him Jesus, the the one that's going to come out of her, uh, you know, her you know, however it comes out, is that uh, he's going to be my Savior as well, because Mary needed a Savior just like any other person. I want you to understand something about Mary, that she is nothing uh, uh, above or supernatural above Jesus. She is a special woman, She is a woman because she's special, because she is a follower of God, and she gave her whole heart to follow. Listen to this, and I'm going to read out of Luke chapter 1 and verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And the announcement of Jesus' birth to Mary, she had the response of this, God, I'm your maid. Servant. I'm your servant. Now I want you to use me, God, however you see fit to use me. This was the heart of Mary. And truly, it is an example to us that, that she said, God, you use me. If you want to bring Jesus uh, out of my body into this world, I'm open to that, whatever you want. And so uh, this was true. Now, later on, after Jesus was born, and we go to Luke chapter 2. Uh, They they bring Jesus back to the temple, and uh, he's circumcised, and there is a prophet there named Simeon, And he says this, and I want you to understand about Mary, that Mary, what she was put in that position was not an easy position. It was a difficult position because it says in verse 34, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel for a sign which will be spoken against. Then now notice this parenthesis in, in, in my Bible. It says, it says, Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Did you get that, Mary? You're going to be blessed. You're going to have the greatest of times. There's going to be greatest of moments. But also, Mary, to follow God, to follow Jesus, and, and to be used to God, you are also going to have some of the lowest, most difficult times in your life. A, seer, a sword will like pierce through your heart. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so he said that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed, talking about what Jesus would do. So, Mary, you're going to have the greatest joy, and at the same time, you will have the greatest sorrow. And Mary embraced the will of God. And she said, I'm your handmaid. I'm your servant. I'm your girl, God. Use me however you see fit. And so we come back to the scene of the cross, the last words that Jesus spoke. Mary is standing near the cross. She gave birth to Jesus. You cannot separate a mother's Uh, love for a child from this incident. She loved him. She cared for him like any other mother would. And he is dying a slow, cruel death in front of her. She hears his, his groans. She hears and sees what people are doing to him. She sees the blood. She sees the mangled body of her son, Jesus, Jesus himself. And she understands this, that Jesus is totally innocent. He did not deserve what he was experiencing. I don't know about you. How would we respond as a parent if we saw one of our children being mistreated, innocent of a crime, and was condemned to death? You know the thing that we don't see? We don't see Mary being hysterical about this. Yes, I'm no doubt she is mourning and she is sorrow and she is troubled by what's going on. But we don't see she's crying out and begging for mercy and going to the authorities. She's not saying this is unfair, this is unjust, this shouldn't happen. He is totally innocent. I don't know about you and I, but we would be that we would be crying. we would be authority. we would be doing everything to release our tr- a child from such a situation we have to go back to when the angels introduced Mary's mission in life and she came to a place to understand he's going to be my savior he's going to go through this, and, and my soul, the sword will, will pierce into my heart. It seems that she resolved this. This is the will of God, that he is the Savior for the world, not only for this, the Savior for the world, for, for the whole world, but for my sins as well. And she resigned to that, even though it was troubling for her. And she goes... You see, the third message from the last words of Jesus is this. It's simply this, that God will supply your needs through the cross. As we think about what Jesus did to Mary, he said, woman, behold, your John, and John, behold, your mother. He was handing off the responsibility. He was giving it to Mary to make sure that she had her needs, she was taken care of. As we think about Jesus there on the cross, and he was in such pain and agony, more than I think we can understand. I don't know about you, but when it comes to pain, I'm not very good about it. You know, when the doctor says, all right, you know, uh, a scale of one to ten of pain, you know, uh, you know, give me a number of what you think pain is. I'm always close to ten. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm there, uh, you know, and, and I just, I don't like pain. I don't, I hate pain. It makes, it makes me feel bad. I've discovered that, that pain is not a good feeling. And when I'm in pain, now, some of you are different, and I just, um, um, Robin was telling me something uh, uh, about pain and somebody in her life, the way they handle pain. When I'm in pain, here's what I like to do. I like to be like the bear that hibernates. I, I, I don't want, Cindy wants to dote on me. She wants to take care of me. I don't want that. I'm just, that's just who I am. I just want to face this in my own little way. And uh, you're like that, Ed, too. Uh, All right. And that's just the way that, that I am. Now, here's an amazing point. When you're thinking about how much pain the Lord Jesus is in, when you really stop and meditate on the suffering, and, and, and this, is, this is going on since the night before when they started to beat on him, and he's gone through it, he's lost sleep, and, and the, the ridicule, the emotional pain, the physical pain, the hunger, all that, the humiliation that's happening here. And here's Jesus in this context of this in this intense pain he doesn't focus on himself when i'm in pain i want to f- i want to focus on myself I, i'm i'm all about me i'm i'm about what i'm going to get how i'm going to get through this all about me and when i'm in that moment of pain and agony it's i am not thinking of others that here jesus Jesus, in the worst of pain that we can imagine, it's always before him. As we said before, Jesus lived as he died. He was always thinking of others. This was his life. After driving the nails in his hands and standing and and the cross being stood up with excruciation pain, the first saying that Jesus says from the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. He's about forgiving them. And he's in this pain. And the second thing, after hearing the volley of ridicule, mocking from the crowd, including from the dying thieves on each side of Jesus, Jesus is about saving the condemned thief uh, that was on his right or on his left. And he said, today you'll be on paradise. The third saying, in this agony of however Long that he has been, maybe an hour, maybe two hours, maybe close to three hours, he's been in this state of pain. And he sees his mother, he sees Mary, and he says, woman, behold your son. John, behold your mother. Looking at the needs of others always, always, always. Esteeming others better than himself. Looking towards others, serving others as Philippians chapter 2 uh, clearly states. Listen, if you don't get anything about this message, get this. If Jesus made this a priority to serve others with their needs in the worst time of his life, nothing interfered or distracted him of helping with the needs of those who are close to him. Don't you think he will take care of your needs in the best of times as well? That's powerful. If Jesus was committed to help others in the lowest moments of his life, don't you think Jesus will take care of us as he sits on the throne of heaven? Absolutely. Absolutely. He invites us to bring our petitions before the throne and not just a courtesy saying. He invites us. He wants us. Jesus really means us. He's going to take care of us, folks. He's going to provide for us. He's going to watch over us. He is going to be the good shepherd. And while he was on the cross, he was looking out the needs of others. And of course, probably the greatest needs that we could say of this is that he was looking at the needs of us of needing a savior, needing someone to die. And not just anyone, but only God could have done this to provide salvation for us. He was always for others. And so the first point I make today, Jesus saw Mary's needs more important than his. This is the heart of God. For those who are in need, he will make their needs greater than his own needs. And Jesus didn't neglect his earthly responsibilities for caring for his mother, even in his most painful moment. And we would give him a pass if he forgot to look at his mother. You know, he was in suffering. He didn't know what he was saying. He was, he was troubled by, the, by what was going on. And we would give him a pass Listen, if Jesus taking care of his earthly responsibility was important to Jesus in the peak of his suffering, in in the worst condition of life that he could experience, don't you think Jesus will also take care of us who belong to his family, the family of God? If he has such a care and concern for the well-being of Mary that he made that a priority. Don't you think he is going to take care of us as well as the family of God? And so the second point, God takes his responsibility serious for taking care of the needs of his family. And if you're in the family of God, you're in a great secure position because you're in a position where God says, I'm going to supply your needs. I'm going to take care of you. a child of God, he takes caring for you very seriously. If you belong to God as one of his children, you can relax as he takes care of his family. If you don't know that you're one of God's children, I can see now why you would be worried, why you would be anxious about life. Because listen, you are in a position where you are taking care of yourself. There's no one bigger than you. And so you're trying to navigate through life. But when you're in the family of God, you have a heavenly Father. You have Jesus Christ who made you joint heir with him. You have the Holy Spirit that dwells within you to help you and guide you and give you strength. You have all that because you're in a family of God. And I like what the Bible talks about, how that the God the Father follows the biblical principles principle of family first and others next. If a person doesn't provide for his own family, the Bible says he's worse than an infidel. Why wouldn't God provide for his family first? You know, in those days, there was no government program to take care of the poor, and and so Mary depended upon the care of others. It'd be a terrible thing to find out and to read about how that Mary became a beggar after Jesus died and was the worst condition of life because Jesus was no longer there to take care of her. But Jesus did take his responsibilities serious and stepped up and provide for her. God is the perfect example for taking care of his family. Number three, the priority of God is taking care of... A family first. He does care for us. You're a child of God. You have a great position. You're secure in that position. Never forget that. Number four, God often takes care of the needs of others through others. Woman, behold your mother. John, behold your mother. You see, God supplies our needs, and it's primarily through others, through other relationships. And then this is kind of cool, because when he does that, John, no doubt, thought that was a great privilege of taking care of the mother of Jesus, a great privilege of taking care of Mary. Yes, Jesus, I would be glad to run with this. I'd be glad to take this responsibility, and we believe that he came right from that, that moment. She, he brought her into his home and took care of her the rest of her life. Listen, if we isolate ourselves from other Christians, you cut off one of God's favorite supply line to meet your needs. You know, Mary could have said, you know, I just, John's really not my son. And, um, I don't want to be a burden to him, and, and I just, you know, I don't really know him. I don't know, I don't, uh, and John could have said, you know, I, he isn't, Mary's really not my mother, and I already have a mother, and and just, enough you know, they could have asked, come up with all kinds of reasons why not. If Mary wasn't willing to be open to John's help, or John wasn't op, open to help Mary, Mary's need would not have been met may I say, friend, some of you really struggle with this about getting close to people and being connected into a church family or being involved in a small group. Listen, these are ways and means for God to supply our needs in our life one of his favorite things to do is to, is to work through people and it blesses those people who give and the receive and it just is so cool when that happens and i could imagine how blessed john felt when jesus turned to him and said would you take care of my mother would you take care of mary and he absolutely he stepped up number 5 God is in the perfect position to take care of our needs as he is an unlimited surplus. I love this point. No one could ever do an inventory count for all that God owns. <laughs> it's impossible because he could make more at any time he wanted to. It's a, it, you could come at the end of his inventory count and then God says, boom, <laughs> just doubled it. <laughs> God has so much And surplus. He has so much, as as you've heard, he has so much gold that he he paves the streets in heaven with gold. The precious corner, the stones are the the brick and mortar of the walls of of New Jerusalem. God has an oyster so big that uh, uh, that makes a pearl the size of the gate of heaven. God is so flushed, he needs nothing. Why am I saying this? Why why am I saying about our needs? Listen, if you have little, you are guarded in how much you give away. But if you have so much you don't know what to do with, you're willing to give it away. God's surplus is beyond the definition of surplus. He has what you need in abundance of surplus. He has the heart to help you. He isn't scratching and thinking about, oh, where is this going to come? How can I help us? He's got all the way, an abundance of whatever we need to help us in our life. He has it. So he's in the perfect place to help us. Number six, with this, God is in the perfect position to take care of our needs as he knows what our real needs are. Sometimes we're off with what our real needs are. Sometimes we think what we know is, well, if God has so much gold, why doesn't he give it to me? Or God, why does he do this for me? Why doesn't he do that? Listen, you trust God. He will give you what you need. He is never wrong in what we really need. So God is in the perfect position to, to care for us because he knows our hearts. He knows what our real needs is. And number seven, God is the only one who can take care of all our needs, and you can't take care of yourself. Life isn't about you. Life is is not all about you. And, and listen, if you if you think that you know your husband or your wife can take care of your needs, or, or you think that you know I'm I'm single and and I think if I if I have uh, someone then that, all my needs are going to take. Listen, that's just a recipe for frustration. (laughs) You know, there is no person in this world, including yourself, that can take care of all your needs. There's only one, and that is God. Your government can't take care of all your needs. I hope you have learned that lesson by now. (laughs) Government is not the answer to all our needs. Our education system is not the source of all our needs. Money is not the source of all our needs. Position of life, popularity, you name it. Only God can boast that he can supply all our needs. And he says, but my God shall supply our needs. Why should we look anywhere else? You know, if we need protection, God can supply our needs there. If we need a new playground, God can supply our needs. If we need healing and it is in the will of God to, to instantly heal you, he can do this. Or he can give you grace to go through something. If you need love, if you need peace, if you need to be comforted, whatever your need is, he can supply it. And God is the only one that can take care of our greatest needs Our greatest need is a Savior to forgive our sins, to give us righteousness, to stand before a holy God. Jesus is the only way. No one comes to God through Jesus Christ. So my friend, this morning, if you're stressed out, anxious about life, what's in life, what's tomorrow, why don't we just exhale that all out and inhale the goodness of God believing that he can take care of us, believing that he is worthy to be trusted, that he has the ability to supply all our needs. I've been a child of God for 55 years, almost 55 years. And I stand in front of you as a testimony, as many of you can say, that over the years as I looked at my life and Cindy and I, we've trusted God with our life, And he has come through, he's taken care of us time and time again of supplying our needs. He is faithful, he is faithful to do this. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, the God of mercy, the God of all comfort, we come to you with great joy and peace, knowing how much you love and care for us. Lord, please continue to teach us the depth of your love. May we grow in a greater understanding. Take us deeper into your character, who you are, and how much you love us. For we need to be convinced And believe that you're always there for us. And that you are a sovereign God. And that nothing happens to us in life without your blessings. We surrender ourselves like Mary to be your servant and use us according to your will.